Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the Turin Giants podcast. What edition of the pod is this? We're starting a little cold out the gate. Is this 202? 202-203? 202-203. Great. Yeah. Lovely. Um, Farhad, the host that loves you most, is not among us, but uh, this is the familiar voice of Sam. I believe he calls me the hammer, Adamo. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> let's let's go with that. Sam, Sam, Sam the hammer, Adamo, coming at you of the Calcio podcast for this 202nd edition of the Turin Giants podcast. We're live on YouTube as we speak. If you're tuning in on YouTube, feel free to hit us with some comments. We'll try to get you guys integrated as we go. And uh, if you're listening in on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening in, uh, thank you for tuning in as always. Check us out on uh, all platforms, at Juve Podcast, on Twitter, at Turin Giants, everywhere else. TurinGiants.com, new merch, new hoodie. Uh, bought one of my own to support the cause. It's looking hot. I'm probably going to rock it on stage for the first time tonight for a little stand-up set. Rocking the pink. Dave Forfaro said that the pink looks like it's probably the move for him too. I would concur. The pink is hot. Go get it before it sells out. It's the Alex Del Piero. Un vero cavaliere no lascia mai una signora. Hoodie. Um, get at it. So, and that's about it. That's the only positive news we've really got. Dave Forfaro, Dash, uh thanks for uh doing this with me um in what is a, you know a, a very a very sad somber time to be a Juve fan. Um I don't know we're still I'm always smiling I don't know I'm a goofball though. Uh Dash is a bit of a goofball too. He's like old dad joke kind of goofball. Yeah, yeah, the old Arnold but <sighs> You know, the thing is, is like, I, it's a little bit of a weird feeling for me. It's like, I'm not, I'm not angry, but I'm also not happy. I'm like, kind of like, a, it's like a disappointment. It's almost like, you know, your kid craps their pants and you're looking at your kid, your toddler, your baby, and you're like, really, man? All right, whatever. And then you none just of kinda, us have kids here, I don't think. I, know, we're making I, don't, I don't think we do. We... <laughs> I got a dog, but apparently if you uh, make that comparison, then I don't know anyone that has a kid. Um, just they they just they tune out right away. So oh, kid, par- kid, apparently it's not the same thing. That's what they say. It's uh, it's obviously not the same thing. Um, kids kids are hard. I've had to take care of kids before for like a couple weeks here and there. It sucks. It it does. Dogs are amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's like I wonder if that's how Max Allegri feels. You know, like just a bunch of kids who are crap in their pants who just he, he can't rely on. Is he the problem? I, I don't know. Maybe you know, but but to to his credit. He did say a couple of years ago that the side needed a big overhaul, which it feels like it never really happened to an extent. And Mauricio Sarri said that the side was uncoachable. We're not dealing with the same uh, players anymore. We've gone out and acquired a number of interesting guys. Dusan comes to mind. Um, you know, Di Maria comes to mind. Pogba comes to mind, although who knows if we'll ever see him again. Rumors now that he might be leaving football altogether. And, you know, who would have thought, you know, he's he's... He was the, relying on on shamans and 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 <laughs> paying four million euro allegedly to cast spells and dealing in witchcraft. He was already up against it, and it's you know if that wasn't a sign that football was taking a toll on the man, then the latest report seems to be. But but yeah, I don't know. Like the the revamp never really happened, and you know now here we are. 
here we are. If Allegri's gone, he'll be the sacrificial lamb again, you know, mm-hmm. as Pirlo was, as Sarri was to an extent. But what's going to change? I mean, look, I, I have a few kind of like takeaways from the match yesterday, the 4 3 loss to Benfica, which should have been, I mean, at one point we were down 4 1, and that's when that's when a lot of us, I think, tuned out. If you watched all the way through, then credit to you. You're a trooper, you know, whatever. You got a lot of resolve. But I think a lot of guys knew right there and then, right at halftime, 3-1 down, it was over. Um, and, and and it was, you know, kind of more of the same. I mean, the Champions League campaign has been thoroughly underwhelming. And it's almost like when you don't play Torino and Empoli, you actually have to have a side that's able to compete with some of the best sides in Europe. So it's it's a shame. I think we're going to look back on this 11-1 day. And this is what I kind of want to throw over to you guys change my mind you know you guys are positive that's great but maybe i'm the realist here maybe i'm a pessimist i don't know but i think we're going to look back at this 11 that we fielded yesterday the starting 11 and kind of like milan fans will look back at random players that they had starting for them on any given day in 2015 erby emmanuelson kevin constant so on so forth we're going to say who the fuck were some of these guys what the hell what were we doing what the hell kind of 11 did we feel? How could we have possibly had any delusion that we might be able to even compete with any top side in Europe? Um, you know, I'll run through the 11 off the top of my head real quick. I have them here, but, and again, this isn't, this isn't a, this isn't a criticism on every single one of them individually, but man for man, you got to look at who we fielded and you got to say, if we're playing Real Madrid, is there any chance in hell that we, <laughs> that we, that we have a, a chance of winning a game if we play a positive style of football? I, I would we argue did the play answers... them in preseason, and it wasn't good. Well, <laughs> sure. well. <laughs> okay, but but oh man, like that we we re- look, we've lost our identity over the past few years. We can't afford to rebuild, and yet we have to. They have to blow it all up. Okay, mm-hmm. I listen. I have a theory. Listen, I was saying on my last pod or one of my last pods a week ago. If you guys really want to, just go through with it. Just shoot Allegri in the back of the head. Go all in. If you're gonna do it, fucking get rid of him. Dump his body in the fucking in the fucking you know River Po and 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 get rid of him. <laughs> if you're gonna do it, go all in. Do it. And and say we're getting rid of the coach, we're getting rid of most of the personnel, and we have to, you know, kind of acknowledge that we're going to eat a lot of shit and not make a lot of money, and it's going to affect the stock price, and our sponsors aren't going to like it, and they who signed up, the sponsors, when Cristiano Ronaldo was at the club, they're not going to be getting any fucking value on their investment anymore. We understand that. We're going to have to talk to our partners, and it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be worth it in two years because how did we get to the period of dominance through shrewd? Acquisition through shrewd acquisition. We got Barzali on a 500,000 euro deal from Wolfsburg. We were kings of the Bosman. Now we get guys on free transfers and we pay them way above market rate um, because that's the thing that happens now in world football is that people, players will wait out their contracts and go, you know, they'll, 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 they'll move on free transfers because they think they can make more money. It used to be that anyone you would sign on a fucking free transfer had no other option. Nobody wanted to take them, and we were the ones who were taking risks on them. We were shrewd. We've not been. we got to go back to that. If we don't, it's over. And you know why I say that we have to do that? It's not because I think it's that we have to repeat exactly what we did last time because it's the only way that it works. It's because it's the only thing that's ever worked for any club that isn't going to keep throwing money at the wall until something sticks like Man City or Real Madrid. Atalanta have done that. Okay. Roma, to an extent, have even done that. And I'm, I, I'm not jealous of Roma and their quality from top to bottom, but they at least know what they are. We don't. We have a crisis of identity. Milan have done that, okay, to an extent. In the two years leading up to their success, they did that. Rant over. I don't know. Let's go through the 11. <laughs> what do you guys have um, to say? 
Well, I, well, I want to plug your podcast first, the cultural podcast, because I mean, we we plug everything here. We're we're liberal in that regard, right? So if you haven't checked out Sam's podcast, the cultural podcast, it's about ten percent cultural, about ninety percent Italian politics. <laughs> lately, but it's lately. Great. I love it. They've been giving us a lot to talk about lately. I feel so bad. I'm like ranting. I'm just I'm just yelling like a curmudgeon. And Dave's like, by the way, we like to be really positive over here. Tune into Sam's podcast. Like Dave's such a great guy. I feel so bad just being so negative. I don't know. You you're a true. No, no, no. It's also content away all the time. Yeah. But like, am I nuts here? Am I hitting some am I no, hitting no, some nails on the head or am no, I like no. just erratically like playing whack-a-mole and hitting a baby on the head sometimes? Is, you know, sometimes <laughs> no, not at all. So like the thing is, Sam, I don't even think your take is negative i think it's probably the most objective take i've heard and seen on twitter for like the last 24 hours like i'm gonna be honest with you because um dave and i we had tempered expectations when we went into the season i mean yeah we're bubbly but it's just our personality but at the end of the day we don't disagree with you because we said it too even at the end of the game and when some of these mistakes by these players happened i'm like we knew we kind of had a feeling that we knew that this was a round of 16 squad and at best, you know, if everything kind of clicks together, it's a out of the round of 16. We didn't have the expectations of making really any decent run. Um, the thing is, is like it just happened per se sooner than most people anticipated. Because um, the thing is, is look, we also got to give credit to Benfica. Benfica are playing out of their minds right now. I mean, the fact that they were able to box PSG both games, they were going toe-to-toe with PSG. They're a good team. They're a good team. Adrian will tell you that. Adrian from yeah. Rabona TV will, will well, tell he was you that. On, on, of, uh, right. Yeah, he was pre-gaming with us. So, yeah. Right, right. That's why I'm bringing it up. A friend of my pod, yeah. friend of the show over here, too. He- Again, what I'm not doing here is saying that man for man, every one of them isn't up to par. I think a lot of these guys could work as key cogs in a in a in a positive dominant side in European football. I think you could swap Chesney into, you know, the goal at Real Madrid or at Man City and and that would go over well. All right, you know, I don't think he'd be as good uh, at distributing than Ederson, for example, at Man City. There's things he lacks, but I'm not coming out point I'm not coming out and 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 saying that every single one of these guys is dog shit. That's not what I'm saying here, but we're going to go through them all, okay? Quickly. Then I'm going to circle back and tell you the guys who I think are problematic. So stay with me here, okay? We've got Chesney, we've got Danilo, we've got Monucci, we've got Gatti, we've got Kostic, we've got Rabio, Locatelli, McKenny, Juan Cuadrado, Vlaovic, and Keane. So, again, there's a few names there that you might think are fine, cool. A lot of top sides in the world might take them. That's fair. But I really do think that in a few years, I think in a decade, we're going to look back at the 11 that we fielded. Maybe not on this particular day. I don't think there's going to be an obsession over this one match that we lost to Benfica. But I think if you look at the fact that a lot of these guys on any given day might have been starting for us, Rugani, uh, you want you could throw him in there too, although he's been around a while. He's kind of become a bit of a cult figure. I would argue that a lot of them, you're going to say, who the fuck are these guys? How did we have any expectation to have any success that season? Okay. Federico Gatti is one of them. And I like him. I, I like his story. Okay. I, I believe that he he's good enough to be a pro footballer. It's a big gap. It's a big gap right now. He'll either prove me right or he won't. But right now, the evidence is pointed to the fact that the look, the odds are against him. Okay, is that fair to say? No, you know, we're starting totally him in a Champions League game. That. We're starting. We're oh, starting in a Champions League yeah. game. That yeah, we, have we, to we win. called that out. Point. Yeah. yeah, we called that out at game time yesterday. And I mean, dude, Sam. To be honest with you, man, like uh, everyone was blaming Benucci for the first two goal, or the goals, the open play goals in the first half. And Dave and I were sitting there. I'm like, if you cannot honestly sit there and take the Benucci bias out and say that the guy slipped right in front of Gatti both times 
And it just, he looks slow. I mean, he's just not ready to defend that caliber of players yet. So, I mean, we're totally with you on that one. Um, people, some people were calling it blasphemy that we criticized Gatti that game, but no, you he didn't because he's Italian. Like, what? Well, yeah. What the fuck? Like, yeah, they, they were, like they were, and the thing is, it's like, so here's the thing too about it, Sam, is that, um, Everyone was trying to blame Bonucci, but Gatti is the guy that's covering Bonucci's back. So, like, the thing is, is like, as a, when I'm playing goalkeeper and I'm looking at my center backs, my center backs need to tell the guy in front of them, hey, there's a guy slipping in between you. Because uh, Silva, I think it was Silva, slipped in the seams in between Bonucci and Gatti both times. And Gatti has the height advantage on him. So, the fact that that first header went in is absolutely on Gatti because he let yeah. the guy undercut his run and cut in front of him. Uh, bigger, the, stronger. Yeah, bigger, stronger player where he literally stiff-armed Joe Mario not even two minutes before that play. Um, the third goal, because uh, the penalty again, it's Cuadrado being a bonehead. But uh, the third goal that they scored, which was that back heel flick. So if you watch the tape, um, Benucci and Danilo were trying to commit an offside trap on Silva. Gatti was two steps in the opposite direction playing Silva onside. And even though he played him onside, he didn't contain Silva or didn't stick onto him. Uh, again, a defensive error, which allows the back... Because a back heel flick like that is something you score in a pickup game when you're just dicking around. You don't do something like that in a professional game. As a defender, you don't allow that to happen. Um, the fact that that happened... And then we can even talk about the fourth goal. Again, Gatti with a misread again. The guy goes by Gatti again, and it's on Gatti's side that causes the error. I hope he doesn't get buried from it, but everyone, and we ask that question a lot of times too. Why didn't he start against Empoli? Why didn't he start against Torino? Why didn't he start against these lower quality sides? I think we have our answer now. So we agree. Okay. We agree. Yeah. Fine. I'm not ruffling any feathers by throwing him under the bus. Great. No, fine. Not around here. No. Now, now it's safe to <laughs> it's safe to say also that it's a big jump. A lot of the time, when you make a jump from Serie B to Serie A and it's Juve, that's a big jump. A lot of the time, okay, if you're signing for Sampdoria, it's a little bit it's a little bit more smooth of a transition. Yes. It's a big one. Okay, we saw it with the lick, by the way, guys. Yeah. In 2018. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. People You'll, were calling for his head early on. Dude, I, there was a guy who played for CF Montreal who played in the Canadian Premier League, which is basically like a glorified... It's like a second division, really, below MLS. It's, it's, yeah, it's first bad. level of the it's pyramid. Really in, yeah. it's, the first level of the, it's the first level of the pyramid in Canada in Canadian football, but it's effectively... I mean, there's very little infrastructure here. It's effectively like a tier below MLS. And there was a guy who was playing university soccer a year prior named Joel Waterman, who's now maybe getting looks in for the Canadian national team. He had a great year for Montreal. He looks like a really good guy. Again, I know that there's people around the world that listen and who aren't going to understand the reference here, but the point is... It was a big step up for the guy. He was playing in the Canadian Premier League, and he was basically the first ever player from the Canadian Premier League that was, I think, poached by an MLS side. It took him like two years to come into his own. Now, mm -hmm. again, is he is is he a world beater? No, but he's a good MLS defender now. It took him a while. He's 26 years old. Okay, I think any time. Look, some people aren't just going to grab the bull by the horns, and it's going to take him a while. It doesn't mean you have to write them off. I remember there were times when, like, I started playing with men when I was like 18, and I went from like U18, U21 football to like playing senior, and it's garbage. It's like the fourth tier in Canada, but but it's it took me like two years. It's what it is. I'm I'm not yeah. that good, right? People will do that. Gatti's there right now, and he's either gonna rise to the occasion or he never will. But either way, we're gonna look back and say, what the hell was that? That's in my opinion. Then you got Bonucci. Yeah. Okay, we all agree, great player. He's not the guy he once was. We'll say fuck. Bonucci was in that eleven, and that was at the tail end of his career. There's not much more to say about him. I think that's fair. Then there's Danilo. Mm -hmm. Danilo's a guy who I think we've kind of failed to realize or remember is 
not that special a player. And I think we've really been trying to slap lipstick on a pig with, with Danilo <laughs> for a while in that we've been playing him out of position, okay, which is fine. He's he's done a, a serviceable, a relatively serviceable job. But I, I think he's had the most success. He's had the most success at Juve and at Real Madrid when he's played in competent back lines to an extent at Man City, although he never really did a whole lot there. Uh, he's he's never had to be one of the key cogs in the system. Playing him in a back yeah. three kind of feels a little bit crazy. He's going to be one of those random Brazilians that we that we look <laughs> back on. That because again, there are random Brazilians that just kind of peer into world football, pop in and out. That have like oh, yeah. you know single names, and you're going to be oh, who's that? Everton yeah. or Everton? Who is that guy? They they, they exist. They're, there's just a constant stream of them coming through the system, and you're going to look back at him in ten years. Who the fuck did that guy play for? Oh, he won a Champions League with Real Madrid. Yeah, he was with us for a couple of years. Okay, great. I would argue by the way that Federico Gatti is going to be a lot like Paulo De Sheglie in a few years. You guys remember him, the left back, played for mm-hmm. us like 10 years ago. He, just one of those guys. Yeah, I don't remember. He's just there. You're Paulo De Sheglie and you're like, oh, oh, well, uh, all right. That was a thing that happened. We were yeah. at a real low point when he was starting for us. You guys remember that? Shit. Yeah, well, and then you can argue that for practically everybody besides maybe one or two players on the starting X too, because like I, I do not disagree with your take at all whatsoever, because that's it's, it's the honest truth, man, because it's the same thing with Alexandro. Like a middle-of-the-road Brazilian that never, like, it looked like he was going mainstream to be a top left back, to be like the next Marcelo, but it never happened. And then we're just going to look bad, you know, in 2030, we're just gonna be like, holy shit, we had Alexandro, like we had Danilo, like some of the, it makes total sense, man. I totally get you. I, yeah. I got I to gotta protect Danilo a little bit and you are correct. He is not anything special on the pitch per se. And it's fine. He could yeah. work in a, in a positive system, but we're going to look back and say, mean, that was very underwhelming. That's, That's what true. Saying, you know, but, yeah. but just to like protect him in this moment, sure. he is the spark of leadership that Bernucci should be. He's yeah, filling a role. And though, although it may not be a technical role on the pitch, I, I like him for the role that he yeah. is filling. And, and, to, and to piggyback on that, I think out of all the players, I think Danilo's the only one that is actually putting in a consistent, like, for example, you kind of know what you're getting with Danilo on the field, where it's like, one day with like, and I'll throw Benucci on here. Like one day he's going to get nutmegged by Brahim Diaz. And then the other day he's going to look like he looks with the national team. There isn't like a consistent what you're going to get with Benucci. And then like Sandro, you're just consistently going to get mediocrity. Um, I think Danilo is the one where you're going to get a consistent six, seven, seven and a half out of 10. Um, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe there lies the issue, right? Again, we've kind of grown accustomed to him. Let's not forget, we swapped the guy. There was cash involved in this deal, but we swapped him for Joao Cancelo. Joao Cancelo is not a great defender, but he's an electrifying modern fullback. We got rid of yeah. him. Everyone loved him. We lost him. That was a that, that was we probably wound up. You know, I know again, but but to have put ourselves in a position where we had to make stupid deals like that. Yeah, you know, technically, no, te- on the, true. Like, right, what, on the what caused that on, to happen? Is, is, is poor, right? So again, yeah. it, were we were we going were we doing things above and beyond our means? Yeah, sure. I mean, who ultimately takes the fall for the Ronaldo experiment? Does anyone even need to take the fall? Do we acknowledge that it's a you know a, a net negative thing? I would argue it's that it's still unclear. The verdict is out. At one point in time, you would have said, well, even though we started to kind of decline a little bit under him at the end, and there seemed to be a little bit of. There seemed to lack like a little bit of congruency in the squad in the dressing room at the end of his yeah. time there. You know, he brought eyeballs to us. That's true. But we didn't win a Champions League, which is kind of what the goal was with him. It's really just a cool story that we get to tell our kids that he played for our club. It, Ultimately, it, cool- it looks like... Yeah, but financially, it, it was a cool thing, but yeah. it financially strained us a little bit. And it yeah. seems to have almost 
maybe not single-handedly, but it seems to have kind of thrown us into a, a bit of a dark period, right? Where yeah. we're having a hard time kind of just managing our 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 affairs in a, in a healthy way. You know, so who takes the fall? Is it, you know, is it going to be the downfall of Agnelli? Was that the beginning of the end? Who knows? I, I don't know. I'm just saying, regardless, we have to acknowledge the reality of the situation for what it is, which is that we've had to make compromises for some time now. The Cancelo one was one of them. I don't want to keep harping on that. We've been talking about this on the pod for years. We all kind of agree. But it's like yeah. just just because you know Danilo turned a corner at one point and became a relatively dependable guy within a certain range of expectation that you have for him doesn't mean that we should be thrilled about the prospect of playing him on, you know, oh, yeah, in, no. in, in Champions League back threes. No, Again, course. we're just going, right? We're going man for man here, right? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. argue Juan Cuadrado, guys, has been a great serviceman to the club. I think we're going to say, fuck, that was the end of an era. You know how you know that we really were down the piss or was fucking Juan Cuadrado was 35 years old and that was the year he couldn't run anymore. Okay? Yeah. So add him in there. Weston McKinney, I think, yeah, again, I think he's forgettable. I mean, it's just like, again, he's not, he's a good depth midfielder for like a team that has already an established midfield where like you just, you want McKenney in to be as a wild card. I don't think McKenney is a guy that builds your team where you're essentially is a a foundational piece for your squad. Like McKenney is just that I have him on the bench. He can score with his head. He can make a run into the box. He can possibly force a goal him as a starter. I don't see him starting on any of the best European teams. No, but you see him doing really well at a World Cup for the U.S. He's like one of those guys. You know, he'll oh, do yeah. well in a major tournament in like a four or five game stretch when he's like the guy. He's a little more confident. You, you could see that happening. But we're also going to be like, eh, n- nothing to write home about. Nothing to write yeah. home about. I mean, it's just, like, uh, it's, yeah, it's just like, um, what is it? The Swiss uh, the Swiss slash Kosovo player, uh, Shashiri, Zerdan Shashiri, Shakir. where he went. Yeah, Shakiri. Sure. Where he was yeah. like, sure. Yeah, he's in the like, MLS now. Yeah, he's in Chicago, but like, you know, he'd play amazing for Switzerland and then like he could never translate in club play. I mean, well, yeah, it, he was hot in the Euros last yeah, year. So years ago, yeah. It, it's it's as simple as that. Like, I mean, there's players that do that. They're international tournament guys. Like, for example, a ton of players from Mexico do really good in international tournaments and then just suck uh, throughout the season. So it, it's. Yeah, and they're good, and they're the best Mexican footballers. A country yeah. that produces really good footballers, you, you, but you just have to understand what it is. When they leave the Mexican league, something happens sometimes. I, I don't know what it is, but you do see that. That's a very good. That's an apt comparison. I actually don't disagree. And then Weston McKinney, like most Mexicans, can go back home at the end of his career and play out a couple years in the U.S. if he so chooses, just like a lot of Mexican players will do. And they'll be, you know, they'll be stars. They'll be well regarded. I, I don't, I don't hate that comparison. Um, yeah, again, I think it may be a little too early to kind of like paint with such a broad brush that you say oh, he's yeah. finished. He's not, but no, but I do think, yeah. but I think we're gonna look back and say not good enough, right? Recall that five short years ago we were in a Champions League final and thought that we should, that we ought to be relatively competitive on that front, henceforth for the indefinite future. And eventually, through mismanagement, we've kind of positioned ourselves in such a way where that's no longer really realistic. That's that's clear. And I think it's through having and carrying and starting guys like this. And I guess in some way, by the way, this whole chat exonerates Allegri a little bit, right? You know, is he an well, idiot he for starting them, or is he kind of is he kind of like a victim for having to? So well, it's the cl- sorry, this is classic. Ahead, Dave, real quick, it. if if it worked, he's a genius, but. 
it didn't so he's not sorry dash go ahead so like the thing is is like with allegri it's it's a really peculiar situation like an interesting situation because the thing is is like the players aren't great i think we're coming to agree with this in this conversation that we don't think that you know we have world beater players but at the same time I think there's something that Allegri isn't doing well as far as I think it's more so match preparation or fitness preparation. I think that is one thing that you can put on Allegri. Um, the thing is, is this problem is way too complex for an Allegri out or we should just sack them, et cetera, et cetera. Because the thing is, is like, and I've always been one of those guys where I'm like, I don't think we can sack him at this point. Because again, if you take out Allegri and you put someone else in, if you put in a Montero or something like that, you you run a bigger risk of not performing and then it's just going to be an absolute dumpster fire um because the thing is is like to to go back onto the one topic that you mentioned that juve is like sticking their toe in for a rebuild but not really putting their foot in the water because of the sponsors and the money because the thing is is like a lot of teams will just kind of say f it blow it up and start over again where juve is not doing that they're trying their hardest to not go for the rebuild. So like, cause you yeah, guys, bingo. yeah. Cause you guys kind of follow hockey a little bit. So I'm going to use the Detroit Red Wings here. So I, like, I mean, we've, but, we've referenced this. I mean, just so you know, Sam is from Montreal. He is my arch nemesis when it comes to hockey teams. And I mean, why is that? Are you whatever. an Ottawa? Are you an Ottawa fan? Oh no, Toronto, Toronto. Oh, okay, that would have said that's cute. That's kind of like how people from Siena, like the Siena, are like, oh yeah, Fiorentina is our biggest rival, the city of Florence, and you know, Fiorentina's like, ah, all right, you know, cool. We'll we'll, we'll focus on Juve. That's who we want to beat. No, no, I'm I'm originally <laughs> from Richmond reference. Hill. Oh, so, forget it. Okay, sure. <laughs> so, like the one, the one example, and I don't know if you guys can relate to this. So, if you guys remember the Red Wings with Ken Holland, so like the Red Wings were making the playoffs like twenty five years in a row. Um, towards the end of the Red Wings cycle, instead of like fully committing to the rebuild, Ken Holland was like, "Hey, I'll try to get the Wings to make the eighth seed so they continue the playoff streak while trying to like mediocrely retool." So I think that's what Juve is doing right now, especially with the first removal of uh, Allegri the first time that he left. Um, the thing is, is like they kind of tried to do a rebuild with Sari, but not really do it. And then they tried to do it again with Pirlo and not really do it. And then again, they're trying to do it again with Allegri, but not really doing it. Because the thing is, is like the foundation is like your nice villa. The foundation's cracked. The house is sinking. They're just, instead of, you know, completely just tearing down the house and rebuilding it anew, hey, let's pump concrete into this part. Maybe if we throw some concrete in here, this will help. Maybe let's do this. This will help. So that's such a complex problem here that, like, unfortunately for Allegri is he's going to be the scapegoat when this is all said and done. I would say it's 50% on him uh, as far as just him not being able to game plan, for him not really able to sit there and think of a plan A or a plan B, because remember, he took a two-year sabbatical. He was on Dancing with the Stars and all that other stuff, where some coaches, when they take those sabbaticals, they sit back, take a step back, refigure out their game, refigure out maybe there's something I need to adjust. Like, for example, Carlo Ancelotti did that when he took his sabbatical from Bayern Munich to Real Madrid or Everton slash Bayern Munich, that area, before he went back to Real Madrid. He kind of rethought his way that he manages players, his way that he does his style. Goes back to Real Madrid, wins the Champions League. Yeah, I know it's Real Madrid, but again, you still got to coach some of these younger players. I think it's just he's not preparing the squad properly, but and then also it's the squad players again. The players that we're listing, they're not world beaters as well. Yeah. Look, I I almost take exception to the the idea that a coach 
when not coaching has to just obsessively lose himself and lose his sanity thinking about football and how to reinvent the game and reinvent the wheel within the sport tactically fitness wise i don't know whatever creative ideas he thinks he you know needs to try to go out and 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 come up with i'm not really sure that we can i guess i'm kind of coming back at you this is just in the spirit of a positive kind of productive debate here dash i don't even know if the fact that allegri seemingly through his uh, through his activities that he was doing in his, his spare time in his time off the fact that he was the fact that he wasn't necessarily off the grid and, and only just locking himself in his room thinking about football like Stephen King writing a novel just getting bombed thinking how do I reinvent the you know smoking cigarettes and just getting loaded bombed every day <laughs> like th- there's this idea that Pep Guardiola does this all he does is thinks he's a cerebral guy I almost I don't even know if that's true again I, I, this is this is a uh, this is a conjecture I have here. This is pure speculation. But from what I understand, from what I've garnered from the guy, I think he does a lot of time thinking about the game. But I also believe that he's a man of many interests who might go out on a run and cycle and and sample wines. I think he can kind of balance the two. I think he's just a guy who naturally is, is a cerebral dude who... Th- thinks about the game in interesting ways and has always had for almost a decade now financial backing of a certain you know to a certain degree in order to go out and do what he he wants to do and despite that he's not even won a champions league because it's random and and i get it but you you don't have to necessarily fault him for that but he's come close and he's not and all he's ever really wanted to do is win a champions league after barca he's not done that my point being that i suppose you kind of are who you are i don't believe that he was going to go and you know, curate different ideas and come back and try to reinvent the wheel. I think his thinking was, he being Allegri, that, you know, probably watching from afar, watching the sport, watching the league, he wasn't not watching, you know, football. He was yeah, definitely still tuning in yeah. to a certain extent. He probably was like, look, there are a couple of things that ought to be changed, but, you know, I'm being given certain promises in order to come back Perhaps, I mean, first of all, he's he was he's being remunerated very handsomely. So for him to have been making no money, and now for you to be coming back basically on their knees saying, "Yeah, we were wrong. You were right. We'll pay you a lot of money, and we'll kind of give you more of the benefit of the doubt." Now that may have just been sufficient for him to say, "Great, I'll have certain control now over what it is we're doing." If they've not, they being management, if they've not effectively supported him in the ways that he wanted or the ways that he thought he was going to be supported when he came back, it doesn't really matter what ideas he may or may not have had in his time off uh, and again this isn't even necessarily a, a blindly like um i'm miswording that uh, this isn't even necessarily a, an absolute uh, defense of allegri he's the coach he has to kind of bear a certain level of responsibility as the technical captain of the ship or a captain of the mm-hmm. the ship on a technical side but you wonder how much he realistically could be to blame and I think by going over the squad that he started man for man, who is uh, who was effectively the most experienced squad that he had at his disposal yesterday, pretty much. If that's who he's fielding, we have to kind of cut him a little bit of slack, right? This isn't even a point that I thought I would bring to you guys. I'm kind of just like thinking of this live in real time. Like if the, if the 11 is as garbage as it is, or if we think that one day we'll look back at the 11 with the benefit of hindsight and say, not very good, then how could we really fault him 
Yeah, and I think you and I are finding common ground here because I think that's one of the recurring themes that we're also mentioning as well is like our our 11 isn't world beaters. They're not amazing. It's not, you know, the Juve of 2016, 2017 where we only conceded three goals the entire Champions League run up until the final. Um, I think the one thing, so I kind of want to ask this question to you because you were mentioning about the board backing him. So again, we don't know. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, so we don't. The the board is really Agnelli as well, right? Like whoever that is. It's clear that Nedved's not too happy with things right now. So my question to you is, do you think as far as the players that were incoming in and including Dusan and all of them, do you think that those were players that Allegri wanted and the club went and got for them? Or do you think that they're players that the club was like, hey, these work economically, let's grab these. So, like, for example, I'll splash in Di Maria, I'll splash in Pogba, I'll uh, splash in, we'll splash in Dusan, um, Zakiria. So, like, for example, some of these players, like, do you think that Allegri wholeheartedly wanted these guys and the board got them for him? Or do you think the board told Allegri, hey, these are the players that we're getting, they kind of fit your profile, but they also kind of fit what we want as well? Yeah, you know what? Now that you're bringing it to, now that you're kind of presenting it that way, now that you're bringing it up, I, I'm, I'm realizing it's very unlikely that he didn't have some kind of say in the whole process. Pogba was a bit of a different one because there's a bit of a marketing machine behind yeah. him. But Allegri did coach him, I think, for a short period of time for about a season, two years, about two, two seasons, years, two seasons, two seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he had to have had some uh, say in that. And I know Pogba hasn't played, but he definitely, he definitely had. I don't think he would have been opposed to bringing in Vlaovic, man. I don't think anyone had to twist his arm. And now that you're putting it now that you're putting it that way, I'm actually realizing maybe he does have to bear a little bit more responsibility if the guys that he's going out saying, I need these guys, um, that was redundant. If he's if he's going if he's going to upper management and saying, I need support in this area, this area, and this area, please go out and acquire and they do that and the team still isn't doing well, then I suppose he has to bear a certain level of responsibility at a yeah. certain point, right? And, oh, and, he, he does. I, I don't think that's the question. And, and the thing is, is, Sam, like, we're not trying to say that it's an 80% Allegri, it's like 90% oh, yeah. Allegri. I think, I think the thing is, is, and I think this is where also people in the chat, well, um, I think it's more so, I would say it's a 50-50 split because it's 50% on him and then it's 50% on the squad not performing as well. Um, the thing is, is like, uh, we said, and we said this in the in the season preseason, essentially, where we're thinking about expectations. So the one thing that I said is because when Allegri came back, one of the stipulations for him coming back um, is that he has to have say on the transfers and the incoming in. So my thing was was if he gets what he wants, and we're saying if these players are what he wants, and he doesn't perform and doesn't get to you know at least challenging for the title. I've already had my mindset at the beginning of the season that we're not pushing for the Champions League. I don't care what anybody wants to tell me. It's Fuck. just our track record has not. Our track record is round of 16 for the last three years. And unfortunately, I'm going to say this here. If we finish second in this group, we would have probably drawn Man City, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. If we were lucky, we maybe might have gotten Club Bruges, but we would have been playing all of those juggernauts in the round of 16. And if anyone wants to tell me that we wouldn't have gotten smacked by those guys with the squad that we have. I'm sorry. I that would just respectfully disagree and, with that. And also, and also to like add, add to that, we're looking at who's going to be going into the Europa league from the champions league. He's going down that tier. There's a lot of heavy hitters like it, Europa league. And yeah, that's what we said. Europa league is almost going to be harder 
than the champions. League. Oh yeah, it could be bad. It could be. It could be an optic nightmare. It could be an optical nightmare. Yeah, it yeah. could be. Or an, and, an optic uh, nightmare. An op- yeah, whatever. Optic, optical. Yeah, yeah. It would not not look good and, if we go down and and don't do well because imagine if at the start of the season you might have heard okay they're they Juve are going to finish third in the group we're going to finish third in the group in the Champions League we're going to go down to the Europa League you'd automatically think great what? they'll be a favorite to win that tournament which but, but again, not this is, year well, well hang on but you might think th- you might think that a lot of people might think uh, well listen we know this because we've not had any confidence in the side probably for a, a certain amount of time as you said Dave before we got on camera Sam you seem very aloof about Juve at the moment sure it's because of just uh, a general disinterest in watching them play poorly over the past like two years right and that's built up so I wouldn't have necessarily believed that we would have been able to go do it but on paper you might expect that Juventus not qualifying from their Champions League group going down to the Europa League. If we even qualify, by the way, if we even fucking make yeah, it I mean, third place. <laughs> like, like the, the, the notion that we would be a favorite isn't that crazy on paper. Now, I think we, the three of us, can all agree, and probably a lot of listeners would agree, that it would only, if anything, it would probably just likely set up some weird tie with a team that'll inevitably kind of like embarrass us. We'll like lose to Faye in order something. Who knows? Yeah. But, well, but... That's it's just it. it. It's not like it's not like we become any more emboldened going down to the Europa League. And again, it's what an undignified competition. It's like we don't even care about it. And if we if we literally won, I wouldn't cr- break down on my knees and cry. And, and you know, I wouldn't care. I'd say, all right, cool. I'd watch the game, and that would be all. You know what I mean? I wouldn't start celebrating and allowing like fans of other clubs to say, oh, fucking you, so, you, you, you claiming that their Euro curse is broken. No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. The Europa League. <laughs> so, I wouldn't even en- I wouldn't even though. engage. I wouldn't even engage. And yet, how humiliating that despite the that we don't even give a shit about the competition i'm assuming a lot of other fans are with me on that we would probably we would still probably get bounced from it you know yeah so the one thing though that i do want to add on here and this is a new stipulation to the europa league that only happened like two or three years um the thing is and i think that's why a lot more of the bigger teams are kind of like per se going for it like you start seeing a lot more of uh your bigger squads that are winning it um when you win the Europa League, you are automatically put into pot one in the Champions League draw. So that means you automatically have a guarantee that you will not be facing the champions of each respective league and the holders of the Champions League as well. So like uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, they won the Europa League last year. They got placed in a group with Tottenham, uh, I believe it's Sporting Club Portugal, and then some club I don't even, I don't even know to be honest with you. But they got a Pretty fairly easy group. And I mean, that group yeah. is, I don't know the results. I didn't watch the results for that group, uh, but I know Conte tied against Sporting Club Let's Portugal. But uh, the thing is, is like, and that's one of the incentives for the Europa League right now is if you're a club and you're not competing for your title, if you're able to win it, you're essentially put in probably in the best selection process Mar- for the Champions League draw for the next season. Marseille so, is the other team. Just quickly. So, sorry. like, for example, with Juve, hypotheticals here. If they were to win Europa League, that means they automatically avoid a Manchester City, a Bayern Munich, or any or Real Madrid or anything like that. Versus if we finish second, third, or fourth in the in the league, we're going to be put in pot two because again, that's essentially the team with the yeah. highest uh, mm-hmm. Euro uh, coefficient and stuff like that. So that's why you see like a lot of more of these bigger teams, or like for example, some of these teams that are actually going out and going for it because. It's actually better to win the Europa League than to qualify for the Champions League. So, like, for example, Ajax. We'll use Ajax as an example here. Ajax is going to fall into the Europa League. For them, 
it's more of an incentive for them to win the Europa League than it is for them to go through Champions League qualifying because they don't essentially get a berth in the Champions League. They have to go through qualifying. Well, let's so, look at this too. Sorry, just quickly. Inter, Inter, they finished, what was it? Was it second last? Yeah, they were second, second. last year, right? Yeah. They're playing Bayern Barcelona. Okay, Victoria Bildson, cool, whatever, but they're up there with Bayern and Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Whereas Eintracht Frankfurt, Tottenham Sporting Marseille. It, it actually, yeah, what you're Europa saying League makes Europa. sense. It's better to win the Europa League. You, you play better. So it is. And I'm not trying to glorify the Europa League and say, oh, you know, like people will probably say Dash is saying that Juve is lowering their standards and blah, blah, blah. I'm The way that I'm saying it is I'm saying looking at it objectively. Because the thing is, is personally, I don't think we have elite players on our team. I think we have a bunch of players that are at the end of their cycle, the end of their rope. Um, besides like a couple of players, like for example, your Dusans, your Chiesas, your Pogba's that are about to be elite. They're, they're virtually at that elite status. I mean, the thing is, is like, we might have elite players in Serie A, but right now performances in Europe have proven otherwise of the quality of Serie A outside of Napoli, which they're almost like a poor man Serie A team. That's just magically playing really, really well. But like the track record of Italian teams in European competitions prove that even our elite players don't compare to anybody over there right now whether it's the tactics or whatever it's going on i'm taking that out of the thing but like i don't know personally i don't know how you guys feel but i don't think juve as a squad have an elite team besides maybe two or three pieces and i'm just gonna echo back it was sharif there and uh i know guys we haven't really been hitting too many of the comments just to flow with the podcast style um but uh trying to find it here just to throw it out uh, but he's saying, you guys, uh, he's basically saying we do have elite players. And, okay, yes, on, on paper, the players individually might be great, might be elite or, or close to it. I, I think really what we have to look at is the squad composition. How do they play together? And we're not playing a lot of these guys in their natural positions either. So it's all that squad composition, the dynamics between the players, the coach, all that. Uh, so the sum of the parts is not world-class. Look, it's also not delusional. It's also not delusional to say that um, we we've been a little bit unlucky in terms of just health and, and and or lack yeah. thereof. That's you know point. again, you, you know who you're getting. You know who you're getting when you get Paul Pogba. I get it. Okay, he got injured in preseason. That sucks. It's Paul Pogba getting hurt. What else is new? I understand that, but to a large extent, the players that are at least at disposal at the disposal of Allegri are not up to par. That's kind of what we're. Ch- debunking here effectively or or um reinforcing by going through the side that started yesterday man for man i mean if anything i would argue that it's not an elite side that's kind of what we've been arguing for some time now look it's going to be interesting when kiesa comes back and to see him with dusan blavich okay like that'll be a really cool thing that we have not really ever seen but to expect that that's just going to be the salvation that we got to like just you know say a hail mary and hope that that's what changes things is not is not healthy it's not it's not a good way of 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 playing of existing you can't be overly dependent on anything on any one asset on any one tool um there's an interesting comment here i'm just going to read this live in real time kb07 or excuse me kb87 this is again i'm just going to read this because podcast listeners won't see uh the comments they won't have the benefit of actually like getting the visual elements of this but if you do want to uh, get at us on youtube if you want to actually see us speak then feel free to do so but let's assume that people aren't um reading this and are only hearing Let's call for what it is. Champions League is a super league. 
UEFA is presenting is preventing Agnelli to create because okay, it's, it's a little bit weirdly worded, but the Champions League is effectively the Super League, which UEFA is preventing Agnelli from creating because it takes away from the monopoly they hold. Okay, I thought that would be a better point. Well, you know, listen, uh, KB's got a cute dog in his uh, in his bo- in his in his profile picture, but well, I, he I does. Yeah, it's a he's little- one of our regulars too. Yeah, so we're, we're, listen, I'm not I'm not going to come out here and, and, and berate the guy, but I mean, I mean, like, it's who cares? That's that's a, that's a side point. We got we we have to stay on the fucking issue here, guys. We have to we have to we we need to let's leave conspiracy theories out of this right here, okay? Let's let's. And I'm a big conspiracy guy, okay? Let's, we can get into that shit if we want to, but we got it. We got to stay. We got to diagnose the issue over here. Who who cares about? the the fact that the champions league is a glorified super league we've known that for a very long time the fact of the matter is we were championing to get into the fucking competition so for us dude imagine if this super league had come to be okay a year and a half ago and this was the first year of the super league and we had fielded the team that we would that we, we have right now we'd be like you know if there was relegation we'd be fucking fighting for it or we'd be fighting to avoid it i should say there won't be relegation that's kind of the point of the super league but it would have poetically looked terrible, right? That Agnelli, the guy that orchestrated it, is fielding a team as terrible as we probably look right now, right? You know, on most given nights. And and perhaps that's kind of the point that that our listener was uh was making. It, it's I don't know. It, it's it is poetic to an extent, I suppose. By the way, there is one comment that I want to circle back on that I want to just highlight, give a shout out to because it made me chuckle, but I ne- I didn't let the laugh out fully because I, I kind of just glanced at it really quickly. It's from Bim. If you could pull this up, Dave, it says, yeah, Allegri well, is a religious coach. He just leaves it to yeah. God. <laughs> Watch this he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an inshallah coach. It's like, it's like it's like when John Jones fucking like John Jones gets into a hit and run and like or like beats his wife and he says, Hey man, God works in mysterious ways. It's like, yeah, hey John, hey bones. God had nothing to do with you hitting your wife, you know, put the bottle down. Fuck. Um that's funny. That that that's good. Um Guys, like Dash was talking about the rebuild and the idea of a rebuild and how it's been successfully done in other sports. I think you can't afford to do it in football. That's the thing. Like, I think it's it, two things can be true at once, which is it should not be anything you ever aspire to need, but it could also be the exact thing that you need right now, given how poor things have gotten. And a rebuild doesn't have to be multiple years long. It could be just a season of saying, look, this is what it is right now. We're going to, we're going to risk this. We're going to try to load up on cash like just, just cap we're gonna load up on cash flow we're gonna try to just get we're gonna we're gonna load the coffers and again this is only in the interest of financial fair play and by the way kb says my mistake i'll keep conspiracy theories in the closet that's that's a mistake never keep never <laughs> listen, never never be bullied into keeping silent always share the conspiracy theories throw them out do it um Sorry, so I'm getting sidetracked here with this whole YouTube thing. It's a little different. There's a whole visual component that I'm not uh, that I'm not <laughs> uh, that I'm not uh, built for like you guys are. Um, two things could be true at once, which is that you never want to be in a position where you need to rebuild, but you also can acknowledge that a rebuild is the only thing that we really realistically need. And it could be as simple as selling off a bunch of the players with a certain level of value that's retained, get cash in the coffers, because again, Agnelli has money, but he has a certain he has a certain duty to. I mean, first of all, I don't know that he wants to go spending his own money willy-nilly, but there's also a very real thing, which is financial fair play, which we've almost gotten in trouble for not following in the past, which oh, Inter have gotten yeah. in trouble for following, right? So you've got you've to do it in a way that's 
that's consistent with the rules. And if you load up and you say, all right, we have all this cash. We're going to go out and spend this intelligently. Now you're doing the Atalanta model. That's a weird way I pronounced it. Atalanta, whatever. I'll pronounce it like a douchebag properly. Atalanta. But, <laughs> but that's their model. That's the way that works uh, if you want to be building something sustainable. It's what we did for a decade. So you, you never look, it's not good though. Like you, you never want to be a man United. You never want to be what Milan were. No, no, it's no, not no, normal no. that we have gotten to this point, given how high a perch we were on. Sure. It was inevitable that we fall, but you can kind of control how bad that fall is. And we're just going through it right now. This is just a Wednesday in October that we're chatting, shooting the shit. And it won't matter at the end of the year. But I think inevitably what happens when you have these chats is you go a little bit meta at least I do, because I don't come on. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not doing these. I'm not doing these YouTube shows twice a week, three times, four times a week, like you guys have been doing. Like machines, sex. you guys are. It's like sex. Are you up to <laughs> six <Yeah>. now? <laughs> machines. But like again, I, I don't mean to get too existential here, but I really do feel like. Um, I really do feel like this is. It's larger than just the look. I don't think I'm hitting the panic button. I really think these are these are succinct, relevant points that we need to kind of acknowledge. I don't think that we're hitting the panic button here. I don't think that there's a whole lot that would indicate that things will improve later in the year as things are going right now. I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong. Okay, if there are good games that we're involved in, they're exciting, and we win late on. I'll, I'll be happy. I'll say, oh, that was a fun, yeah, woo, it was a happy, bubbly moment. Great, but it, it won't change the fact that. I don't think what I'm saying is any less likely to be correct. Yeah. And then I'll throw you a bone on the rebuild thing too, is like, uh, you know, and like, for example, if you look at like the big teams, they've executed it properly as well. So like, for example, Real Madrid after Ronaldo left, it took them four years to win another Champions League, but they slowly kind of chipped away. They moved some players, brought in some players. Um, because like, the thing is, is like, Every team goes through their end of age cycle where they have a bunch of old players and they retool. Like, for example, Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool is a great example. When, uh, before Klopp came in, uh, it took Klopp about four years to actually get that team going to what they are now. Um, they were going through a dark little stretch. Yeah. That's true. It's just because yeah. we're in it too. It's like all you yeah. see. That's but, my and point. Then, it's and then here's the crazy, yeah. yeah. And then here's the crazy no. thing about it too. So, um, uh, Guardiola as well. So when Guardiola went into Man City, he did terrible his first two seasons. I mean, like, for example, the uh, Champions League eliminations getting knocked out by Monaco, uh, Tottenham, and just some other lower-tier teams before he got the juggernaut of the last couple of seasons that he's had. His first season in the Prem, he finished fourth, and everybody was calling him a fraud at that point. Everyone was mocking him. So, like, the thing is, is, like, uh, and that Man City team that he inherited had a bunch of old players under Manuel Pellegrini as well. And then I'll even talk about the 2007 Galacticos when they all started leaving. When Figo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, when David Beckham, uh, all those players started transferring out or sending out. Real Madrid was a, a banter club until Ronaldo came in uh, because they only had Raul and maybe a young Sergio Ramos and Casillas at the time. So these things happen. Um, I think it's just per se is... Are we as a club putting ourselves in the right position to get the right acquiries? It's going to take time. I think we're. I think it's going to be maybe three or four years until we actually become a hyper competitive squad. Just because you look at it, it's a normal trajectory for a lot of these teams. Because, like for example, even with Bayern Munich when they won, uh, when they won that final in 2013, they kind of, you know, they just kind of topped out in the semifinals and then 
they kind of teetered back and forth until they won it again 10 years later, uh, the Champions League. Same thing with Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea went through their cycle too. They won it with Drogba and all them. Those guys started petering out, and then they had to go from like 2015 to about 2020, 2021, where they got a streak with Tuchel and won the whole thing. So these cycles are prevalent. I think the one thing is, is, we did something that's never happened in Italy, which is winning nine in a row. So it's hard going into that where you remember every match when we were dominating, we're sitting there, we're like, okay, how much are we going to win by one, two or three? Where it's like, now we've kind of shifted and we're like, oh crap, are we actually going to win this? So like, it's, it's, it's a very, it's almost like a perfect storm that we're, we're going through. And that's why I'm kind of like somber where I'm just kind of mellow. And you know, some people can say I'm deviating, which is fine, but like, I'm not hitting the panic button. I just don't see no, a reason a good, to. No, it's a good point. And, and you know, neither am I because in the, it's not even necessarily uh, – for a while, I thought it was a, a coping mechanism where I was like, okay, I'm just going to not like put too much energy into it and I won't – you know, it, it won't cause me pain because and, – and again, not to be dramatic. Like, listen, Juve doesn't uh, own my life, right? And for some of you guys, it does. You know, some of the ultras, it does. Fucking great. You know, you're entitled to it. I get it. I like the club too. But uh, – it's not. It's not that. It's not that you know them losing matches was was affecting me so adversely that I needed to come up with coping mechanisms. But there is an element of that that you wonder if you just do naturally, where it's like, oh, more of this, and you kind of just say, eh, whatever, we'll figure it out. It's not like the club's going bankrupt. You know, I don't have some crazy existential fear that it's all going to come to a close. The club will continue to exist and play matches. Okay, we'll we'll go through ebbs and flows of highs and lows. It's just, I suppose it's it's. It's kind of frustrating given the apparent mismanagement of the situation and the apparent mismanagement of resources. And, you know, it's tough because everyone's competitive and everyone's trying to win games and eventually someone's going to outperform. You know, some management is going to outperform another team's management and it's going to lead to shit like this. It's just it would be nice if we could be a little bit more competitive and not uh, feel like things are so um starkly negative all the time you, you know what i mean staunchly negative yeah. whatever it's that that's that's all it is so that that's kind of that's kind of my my ultimate feeling but i don't disagree with you that like look ultimately this doesn't matter whatever you know it, it'll be you know it things will turn around eventually when they do it'll be cool because we'll be like oh i haven't felt this for a while great we're in a happy moment right now. It just feels like something that you shouldn't just leave to chance, you know? Like, like it'd be nice if we could feel there was a direction that we're sort of being that we're pushing ourselves towards where we're like, okay, this is this is a good this is a good kind of little project that we're building. There just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of that right now. There's a lot of question marks. And that's I yeah. think why a lot of fans are frustrated because we don't know who the coach should be. A lot of people think it should be the guy who we currently have. Can you bring up a comment, Dave, uh, before we kind of look to wrap here uh, kb said bring back moji that's the that's the yeah. energy you see that we need all right we got to make some calls that's what the fuck you know and and it's that's funny what the too fuck is up. I, I grabbed this book adam digsby adam digby's book because he mentioned both gianni agnelli and moji and they're actually both on the synopsis at the back and just quickly i want to throw in because this is basically the history of event is up to about 2015 right um it's a few years old but we've gone like decades plus without winning anything yet we still have the most titles we still have those three stars right there so i mean we don't want to be in the long in it for the long haul but we may be and we have been before in history it all comes back around we are still the perpetual champions of of italy when you look at 
36, 38, whatever, however you want to count it, it's still way more than the 19 of the of the Milans. Inside. Listen, yeah. bro. Listen, bro. You can't bring Moji back, okay? We can't. He's banned. But Arriva, <laughs> ben, but arriva Bene, listen. He, he could speak to whoever he wants. He's a sovereign citizen. He could call anyone. He could he could put a call in the Moji. He could say, what would you do? What would you do? Who do you know, who do you have on speed dial? Who's still alive from your day, from your day, right? When you had to put in some calls and talk to some people and get some shit done, who would you call? Who's still kicking? Who's still who's still wielding influence? Let's go. You know, if you hey, hey, I'm down. I'm down with that. Bring back Moji. If not Moji, then do bring it. back the Moji mentality. Let's do it. You know? It'll just it, it'll it'll stop the swarms of people saying Allegri out on Twitter. Fucking let's go. I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, you know, I heard so Rabio's mom's gonna be the new coach. Says <laughs> this, is the, this is why she's I got love it. her listeners because she's got is- it going on, man. <laughs> but you know, so one person asked this, and I kind of want to highlight this, where he says he's worried about star players leaving. So, do you guys think that Vlahovic or Chiesa would say deuces I'm out? Not at this point, yeah. Anthony Trimboli says, Ciao, guys. Anyone concerned the star players like Vlaovic will leave if no top four finish? So specifically this year, I'd like to hope and think the players will want to continue to fight for the shirt. The answer is yes, I'm I'm concerned, of course. Yeah, yeah. And the second season, then it becomes a real possibility because if next year doesn't go well, he's gone. Same with same with the Lick, of course. Yeah, young players who come here and think of, you know, think that they're gonna they're going to be part of something great and it's not happening for them. Sure. They have, you know, they have agents whispering shit in their ear. Yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. It's, it's part of how it goes. If that happens, then you rebuild, you buy smarter. And there was calls dash there for the picture of Rabio's mom. It looks like you took it off. Oh, I I took it off the slide deck. Damn. Cause I was cleaning it up for the podcast, but, uh, we we like to write on, uh, on Rabio. Yeah, we do. And then, so, and then the other thing too, that I kind of want to talk briefly about is a lot of people are saying that, you know, we should fire, you know, one of the talking points is Allegri out and bringing in a manager to build the pieces in, but like, for example, doing it right now is difficult because, uh, there's no a coach, a level coach that's out there right now. That's out in the market right now for us to even bring in or consider bringing in. So um, Sam, actually what's your insight? Cause I mean, we've ragged on this a bit. Yeah. How there is no other options, but do you have any insights into that? Like who would you bring in if anybody? Yeah. You want to know, you want to know, uh, you know, I've got my ear to the, uh, you know, <laughs> I've got my ear to the fucking wind to the rumor mill and you want to see who I've been, uh, you know, who I've been hearing is is rumored. Is that what you want? You want to see if I got if I got a scoop for you guys? I got a fucking scoop for you. There's fucking <laughs> gods. There, there's nothing, man. There's nothing. I mean, Roberto de Zerbi was the last guy. You know, the Ukrainian war was the best thing that could have happened for Juventus in a considerable amount of time because the best young Italian manager was suddenly free and 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 available. And unfortunately, we were married to Allegri, and it didn't happen. He's gone now. He's not coming back. He's signed to a who did he sign for? A club in the he signed prim- for a relegation team in the Premier League. Brighton. Sure. Look. Okay. Was it Brighton? I mean, yeah. He's getting paid. I guess. Guys, you're right. There's no one. You'd have to poach someone. It would have to be Conte. You know, at the end of the year, because Conte will do that. Conte's a mercenary. He would come back. But I don't know if I want to beg on my hands and knees for another coach who's going to cost an arm and a leg who's very dead set in his ideas who left last time on you know on on poor terms and who's going to bring a lot of negative drama probably with the fan base just in turn uh the ultras wouldn't like him i mean they won't take kindly the fact that he won with inter the you know uh, it's, that's, it's just what it is. That's that's never yeah. going to change. But other than Antonio Conte, I don't know of any other coach that could be like poached away. I will and truly mean that. So the answer is no, there's effectively nobody's, which puts you in a position where you have to do what Milan did in 2015 and 16 and 17, which is you throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, which is not good. That is, I mean, not Yoli. the way to do it. 
Pioli was throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks, and it's yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, and it was, and it he was wasn't like, supposed to, yeah, and it was like the sixth attempt. And here's what's funny, like, like how how much credit does he really get? Would you like Pioli at Juve right now any more no. than you like Allegri with the side that we have? Do you have any confidence that he will be able to change no. things? No, I think he just fostered a culture with the guys he had. He kind of like you know took them under his wing. He was a fatherly figure to them, and he he fostered a positive environment. He did a good job. He did good work, but he did good work in the respective environment that he was working in. I don't think he could do that necessarily everywhere right so no no the derby no i think there's no one and even then hiring the derby would have been a big risk i think we could have been sending him to the you know to the slaughterhouse but yeah i, I mean hey a lot of people are high on the spalletti train uh that too and uh italiano even like man people are people are literally just throwing shit at the ceiling fan look dash you might have misspoken before but you said something about napoli being a being a borderline city outside maybe i'm misquoting you but what is it you said so no, so they were they're almost like a moneyball team with like the players that they brought in with Spalletti. So like for example, I think probably the more more pr- lucrative or expensive signing was Raspadori for about forty million. But like even the uh, Georgian player Karanzvaro, okay, so, uh, yeah, you really say cheap. it will actually say it. Kvaraskelia, yeah, uh, I, I I saw him live like a month ago, and I said I got to learn this guy's name. If nothing else, like he provided me so much entertainment, he was so electrifying. I was like, yeah, God, fucking wanna... yeah, it was a fun time. We, my girlfriend and I, accidentally went through the Napoli away fans uh, turnstile at Olimpico, and we had to get like patted down like five times because they think the Napolitans are like fucking coming to <laughs> coming to blow up the stadium. It was fun, but um, Oof. no, man, like, so okay, so I don't disagree with that. If that's what you meant. Then, yeah. then that's that's exactly the point I was going to make though, which is that, um, I wasn't so I, w- I wasn't even trying to argue you. What I was saying was I want to circle back to a point you brought up, which is that they're not necessarily a very flashy team, at least on paper. At the start of the year, you would have thought that they would have really struggled, and yet here yep. they are. Now, what is that? That's smart acquisition. That's all that is. Giuntoli, yeah. who's been running the ship there for a while, has done a tremendous job over the last decade. Of bringing in good talent, Mertens was a good acquisition. Okay, and he was converted by Sarri, sure, but but there there are examples of them doing this for a while now. I mean, Osimhen was a good acquisition. I think that's clear. Um, you know, the, the finances of that uh, were really Kim, uh, the dicey, but that replaced yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this year in particular, I think is when we're really seeing him. You know, uh, prove his you know prove his worth. I suppose you know when he was really fucking he was he was. I mean, it was Moneyball on steroids, man. It wasn't just Moneyball. It was, hey, like let's let's scrap the team we had before. Let's completely turn over a new leaf and let's try something new, and we'll see what happens. But our goal is to be competitive here right out the gate. That was probably quietly their goal. There's no way that they're getting so lucky that they're outperforming their expectations to this level. They had to have thought we're getting guys who are going to allow us to play a certain way under Spalletti. We give them a certain amount of trust. That's how you do it. That's how you fucking do it. You acquire more intelligently than just going after names and stuff and getting guys on boss. Yeah, That's and the I'm point getting- I wanted to bring up, which is what Napoli did is possible. It's possible. It well, I mean, Lazio does it with Iglitari, their sporting director as well. I mean, try working under Latito where he doesn't even give you five bucks to spend on anything. Yeah. Or as my friend Bernie puts it, who's a Lazio fan, uh, you know, try working under Claudio Lotito, who who would play games only at noon if he if he could, so he doesn't have to pay fucking electrical bills at night. You know, what I mean? like, <laughs> like, uh, these angry old Italian men, like you know, these cheap cheap motherfuckers who'd sell their own, you know, who'd sell their who'd sell their daughter off to the highest bidder if they could. Like, uh, you're right, it's not a bad point. The Laurentiis is kind of that same guy. It's almost like working under a, a tyrant forces you to be creative in all the best ways. You know, you have to know how to appease him and and. It's 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 been great for them. It's been 
it's been great. Um, and, and, you know, I think Napoli also have the benefit of not having like super high expectations like Juve do, right? Whatever happens, happens. They could have not qualified from their Champions League group and their fans would be pissed, but they wouldn't be up in arms and having like a, you know, uh, they wouldn't be having an intervention about it. So, you know, whatever. Maybe we need to just tailor our expectations, but it's hard when you're a UF fan because we've been spoiled for a while and we've been yeah. spoiled throughout history. And, and you know, whatever. I don't know if I want to go through the rest of the 11 here. I think I made my point at the beginning of the pod. We'll wrap on this probably soon unless you guys yeah, have kind of points to add. Yeah. But, but it's clear that there, there's a real... There's a, there's a real gap in... It. There, there's been... There, there, listen, there's... There's been shown to be a real gap in our ability to go out and acquire players over the last couple of years when you compare it to Napoli. That's all. That, that's all I'm yeah. saying. Like even bringing Moise Keane back is like, what are we doing? Like, like bringing Paul Pogba back. Okay, great. He's a name we're familiar with. He's a good player. He's an elite player, but he's expensive. You could probably get a lot better value for your money with like two other heads if you just if you just dig. That's all. We well, we signed Paul Pogba on a free, remember? That was that yeah. was exciting to get him back. Even if it's on a free transfer again, and I know we took Man United to the cleaners there, but he's still a guy who you have to you pay a lot of money to and kind of assume is going to be a key cog in the team. That's kind of what Man United does, and it never it's never really worked for them yeah. since they've tried to do that. You go out and, and get names and hope that it works well. Being intelligent works better, not just being, not just being you know, braggadocious or i don't know being bold i suppose bold <laughs> yeah. is a better word so um, let me let me add this point then so this is kind of funny because going on this so the right winger sweepstakes for juve this summer transfer market was di maria berardi and raspadori and ironically raspadori was the third option in that short list and if he had joined you think he'd be doing as well for us as he's doing for napoli i don't think so i don't no. think so i don't think no. so but i think i think we would have gotten a better return on investment though uh, compared to Di Maria, the cost, sure. Perhaps. Well, sure, yeah. but we'd have ruined the guy. We also paid, I think, nothing for Di Maria. Did we pay anything in the market? I don't think we no. paid a transfer. No, that was for a free. Him. No, sure. we didn't pay. We didn't pay a transfer fee. And he for and it, he's you know, only whatever. in for a year, so it's very short term. Yeah. Oh, buddy, I think he's in for five months. I think he just wants to be ready for that World Cup. By God, he's oh, got help. He'll, he'll, oh, he'll be ready for that World Cup. Oh, he'll be ready for that World Cup. He'll be ready for that World Cup, and whatever happens, win or lose, he's gone in January. Kumpa, he he's he's gone. He's gone, cabrón. So, and then there's also one more player that we didn't cover because I'm kind of curious to get your take on this one sam so because like there's like a 50 50 take on him it's locatelli so like for example some people are criticizing folks that saying oh you guys are bashing mckinney but people are keeping uh locatelli safe so what is your take on locatelli yeah i think like a lot of the other guys who listen we got to be frank here we got to be like we got to be i'll I'll, I'll be a straight shooter i think he's going to be one of those guys on the list who we say oof not necessarily that he was below par but i think we're going to say him in that 11 yeah he was not going to do it on his own i think he's one of the guys who's going to have a better career when it's all said and done in 10 years but we're going to be like eh, whatever he's a guy who's kind of you know who had a bit of a cup of coffee with the national team now and again i don't think he's going to be a bona fide starter for them ever really i think we've seen that there's a reason why barella is seen as being a much higher level player than Locatelli it's because he's, he's taken opportunities he's he's proven it he's he's grabbed the bull by the horns whenever he's been given an opportunity with the Italian national team Locatelli's been given less of an opportunity can he do a job yeah but more than that I, I don't know I, I think he kind of falls into that category of good player that's not going to be able to do it all on his own so so, so would you I, I cut him like a bit more the, slack uh, than than McKennie probably w- but would you uh would you consider him essentially to be like the Milan's Jack uh, Bonaventura Definitely not. That's no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Not I saw, I saw that. I saw that tweet. And I just wanted to. No. I just wanted to see. Yeah, God, that's no. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to say Jack Wilshere. Like, he's going to be like our Jack Wilshere type of thing, which which would have been a little bit of a different thing altogether because he's not from our academy. Look, I thought he's not from our academy. But I, I don't know. Like... Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. For some reason, I just thought Jack Wilshere, and I actually almost said yes because I was. I almost said, "Yeah, maybe." You know, maybe. Uh, but but is, is, it, we'll is it that bad a take? You really think that Manuel Locatelli is ever going to sign for Real Madrid or Man City and like and you know boss games in the Premier League no. or in the Champions League, like right? So then maybe he's not that different from Jack Wilshere. I, I don't know. There are levels to it, right? A good technical player who who could probably do very well if he's well surrounded, but. You can only have so many of those guys. You would argue that's almost all of the midfield at the moment, except for Paul Pogba. And at times, we've even seen that Paul Pogba does best when he's in a midfield with other um, with other elements to it, other than you know his own creativity, which the whole system has to depend upon. So, and, fuck and maybe knows. that's what we're waiting for too. To the fuck, yeah. The fuck, you know, it's but it's an interesting comment that you make though, because you're saying you literally are saying it's like we're saying this. It's like our midfield is literally a bunch of backups that have starter jobs. Essentially, they're not like they're they're all cogs that you put in the in the machine. They're not yeah. really the machine itself. Sure. What is the machine? How many midfielders are how many midfielders are there out there that do it? You know, maybe maybe Tonali is an example of a younger guy who's kind of shown an ability to make that jump. Sure. No Barella. Um, they don't have to be Italian. I'm just thinking of guys in Italy in particular. I guess I like Zielinski. Um, they exist. We just don't, you know, we're not acquiring them right now. But this was never going to be that guy, by the way. He's, you know, he's no. a he's a peripheral no. off to the side. Yeah. One of the one of the three. I don't know, man. This was a good. Uh, this was good for me. This was cathartic. Uh, I hope you guys thought this was good. I thought this went no, well was, overall. I mean, it, listen, it was a very negative game yesterday, but we got to be realistic with. Uh, with with what our expectations are going forward, right? Like, I don't think anyone was surprised, but instead of being super morbid about it, I think we were able to kind of actually come up with some some interesting points that are worth pondering. Um, I'm sure, yeah. a lot of people agree, but hopefully, we made you guys think a little bit, and 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 that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the pod. You guys have anything to add before we wrap here, Dave? Um, I think well, Dash, Dash, you're gonna do the normal uh, outro stuff with the housekeeping. Uh, Sam, I just want to thank you. We've been doing this for about nine weeks. And Sam, you were the very first guest on the Turn Giants when we first set this up. Uh, That's before Dash came on. Uh, Dash obviously is here full time now. Uh, but Sam, you are, you are one of the OGs. And of course, you're welcome back anytime. We love your takes. Uh, of course, check out his podcast, The Cultural Podcast. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, I think, since your your last one. You just released one. No, 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 no. We're back. One went out the other day, and we're uh, we're we're back. I, yeah, four I, days. Wait, four days ago. Yeah, I just listened. Yeah, a to couple it. days, and we're back this week um, again. So we're we're right back into the groove. Thanks yeah. for the plug, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for what you're doing for the community. You know, keep doing your thing. You guys are uh, you guys are cool, man. You guys are you guys are doing a good thing. It seems like people really appreciate it. So let's keep it up. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, if you weren't. You know, if you weren't watching on YouTube, if you're only tuning into the pod again, subscribe. Uh, rate the pod five stars if you're listening, like on Apple or on Spotify. Apparently, that really helps the algo. So oh, help us out in the algo. Uncle Farhad is doing, uh, you know, is doing a lot of great things again with the brand, with the with the the apparel line. So check that out, TurnGiants.com. Can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, it's been well received so far, by the way, from what I understand. So, so. Check that out. Farhad loves his stickers, by the way. We're showing we're showing them off on the yeah. YouTube right now. We've got the Del Piero one. We've got one of Fabio Miretti. We've got Richard Sherman making an appearance yeah. in a meme. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Second there. I got to move that down because I always click through. <laughs> it's so funny because like I remember I put that as so because like we have a bunch of like soundboard stuff and like a bunch of memes and everything that we throw on for like our post game reviews and stuff like that. So 
Never, I never moved the Richard Sherman one, but like we've got like a bunch of uh, sound bits too that I didn't use because uh, we're doing a little bit more of a professional podcast versus us just kind of shooting yeah. the ship. We're professional yeah. tonight. We got Sam on. We, we got serious. Thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for coming out, boys. Listeners in the chat, thanks for your input. Much love. And until uh, next time, guys, if you know Alla Fine, Forza Juve, this is what it is, guys. This is what it is, you know? It's okay to be aloof. Just uh, don't stop watching and take it, uh, you know, t- take it with a grain of salt. Have a drink, whatever. <laughs> Alla prossima. Alla prossima. Get some lemoncello. I'll we'll put some I'd hair love, on your chest. Lemoncello. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love I love your Italian flair. You speak. Oh, I barely speak it. You, you're fluent. Uh, I, I love when you bust the, the Italian out. It's very nice to have on here. So thank you very much. Dash. Music's playing. Hit it. I gotcha. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is uh, episode 202 of the Turn Giants podcast. Um, this is a little bit different from our post-game and pre-game shows. So to all you guys in the comments we do apologize uh just because we're kind of trying to keep the flow of the discussion and the debates it was kind of tough for us to look at the chat and also formulate our thoughts so please don't take it personal um again we'll answer more questions if you guys leave comments on the replay dave and i will probably go through them and read and kind of give our takes on them as well you guys did have some good questions that we just couldn't get to but and on that note, we will see you guys for the milk preview, or as a lot of people would say, leche, uh, coming up on this weekend. So we'll do the preview for that, the pregame there. We'll do our postgame. And other than that, guys, fino ale file. Oh, wow, I butchered that yeah, one. Butchered it, <laughs> fino ale fine. Like the video, comment, subscribe. Check us out.